The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us for Feminist Friday is Molly Jong Fast, and she is the host of Fast Politics. It's a podcast that I love. Also a special correspondent for Vanity Fair. Thank you so much for being here today. A lot to talk about. A lot. A lot. A lot. A you know, lot. it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. My first question, just like, what are you thinking today? You know, like, what are your top takeaways as you've been processing what happened in the midterm elections this week? More, I have more faith in the American people than I ever have. Like, I feel like the pundit class said the American people weren't going to care about democracy and abortion. And the American people cared about democracy and abortion. So like for me, it's an incredible, incredible day. I'm so proud to be, you know, in a country where people care about what's important. And so I'm, I'm filled with, honestly, I'm filled with a lot of pride about American voters. I am too. And I feel like not only was the pundit class wrong about that, I sometimes feel like when people in the political media say things like that it's actually a, a confession like it's an admission of yes. how they think yes. about democracy yes. and abortion and how they find it not very important or sexy to talk about or how they don't prioritize it in what they you know wake up thinking and reporting on versus what's actually happening in the world like I feel like the, the whole push before the election to convince the American public the most important issues were inflation and crime is almost like a, a corporate manufactured, like almost like a Madison Avenue PR firm was like, this is what to, to, the media should tell everybody to care about. But the American yeah. public watched the insurrection. The American public watched the Dobbs decision. And they, they cared about those things, whether the media told them it was really inflation that was more important or not. I mean, talk a bit, bit about how, um, why abortion mattered so much. Because I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I connected to is the increase in turnout of Gen Z voters. You know, yes. when, when you're, yeah. when you're sort of doing all of your analysis based on likely voter polls, you're going to be completely right. wrong if there's a bo boost in turnout of Gen Z. Well, I think that's true. I also think we probably now need to uh, throw away the polls unless they figure out some new way to poll them. Like none of us have a home phone. Sorry, you know, right. this is gone. Like this is totally antiquated, no matter how you weigh them. I actually thought, you know, what I think was interesting and the thing I had thought about was I had sort of wondered if they were overcorrecting with these polls because like mm. the last three cycles had been wrong in the like, Repu you know, they had undercounted Republicans. And I almost wondered if now they were undercounting Democrats, which turns out to be right. So, because <laughs> I was like, these polls, like, I said, like, these polls are crazy. And, and, you know, a lot of these candidates are terrible. I mean, that was the other thing 
that I think is really interesting is like the pundit class thought gave the American voters a lot less credit than they deserve. Mm. Right. Like, I mean, certainly there were evangelicals who voted for Herschel Walker. White evangelicals voted for Herschel Walker because I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to say anything because like, who knows? But that was not, you know, I mean, obviously Reverend Warnock from <laughs> Martin Luther King's church probably more evangelical than the guy with all the illegitimate children. Nothing wrong with, they're not illegitimate. Uh, the guy with all the children that he won't claim, you know, that seems like not a very Christian thing. But in my mind, um, a lot of times voters like made the right choice. I mean, a great example is Michigan. Like Gretchen Whitmer, they liked her. She did for them. And they weren't going to take like a woman who looked a little like her, but was a Republican. <laughs> I love the way you put that. That's so funny. Um, I really think that's all true. I mean, I think that one of the things that's so fascinating about unpacking all the election results, two things. Um, it's clear that there there is a MAGA base. Yes. Right. I mean, I think we had a caller from Syracuse, New York earlier in the show. And, you know, they were talking about how a lot of people say this, you know, it's frustrating. You have people in your orbit or in your neighborhood, in your community that support Donald Trump and you, you try to convince them, you know, not to support Republicans. And I realized after the midterm election that you're not going to convince those people. They're 30 percent. No. They're going to stay 30 percent. They ain't going anywhere. Yep. If they lived through and watched the insurrection and then showed up and voted for Republicans, that person is not persuadable. Um, but yeah. but the. But I think also what we learned from this midterm is that there are a lot more people that are against MAGA, right? That, that there are yeah. people that are very disturbed by what they see and want to protect and preserve American democracy. I mean, talk about a bit about how you think maybe even the January 6 hearings played into what we saw, because I, I think that there's so many different factors and things that people are thinking about on a daily basis. Sure, they're thinking about, you know, inflation but more so i don't have enough money that's really what they're thinking right um right. and and they're thinking about those those issues but i honestly think that watching an insurrection a president claim the election was stolen you know call everybody's votes fraudulent especially voters of color i think people yeah. people remembered that yeah i think that's right i also think like people don't like i mean it's like companies right companies don't like crazy right they don't like it they it's bad for the stocks it's bad for the business like and that's people too people want to just they don't want their government to be on the cover of the newspaper every day they want it to run and do stuff for them and like while biden may be unsexy to many members of the pundit class he passed infrastructure mm -hmm. like donald trump spent four years having infrastructure week was every week and he couldn't pass it so i do <laughs> think like and the lesson here is that like voters also care about policy. They care about seeing things. They care about their, you know, you're driving across a bridge every day and then you realize that it's getting, you know, fixed because mm -hmm. of something that Joe Biden did. Like that's government working for you in a way you wanted to versus like you turn on the television and you see your congressman with a bullhorn saying like, let's, you know, kick ass and take names, which is what happened during the January 6th, um, the, during those, uh, during the, um, the the event before the people stormed the Capitol, you had members of Congress, you know? And so I think that ultimately it really is a case where people just want to live in peaceful times and they don't want authoritarianism. And 
And that's very, very, very comforting to me, I have to say, like, as someone who is very much a worrier and who sees climate change as going to be the real big Mm -hmm. existential crisis of our generation, um, to know that at least we could have a functioning government to protect us from all of the fallout that we can't even see coming is, um, you know, it's comforting to me. Me too. I mean, particularly because, I mean, there was just a hurricane slash tropical storm mm-hmm. today. Like, just today. We talked to Bill in Orlando, Florida, um, who lives down down where that tropical storm hit. And, I mean, this is just going to become a normal thing. It's just a, it's just happening all the time. And, again, I, I do this sort of rant occasionally on the show where I say, like, one day it will be you. You know what I mean? One yeah. day you're going to be the person who loses your home because of climate change. And this is why you need policymakers in place that believe in science so that we can actually address it. Because even this week there was reporting that says, basically, um, if we don't do what we need to do, it's irreversible. I mean, that, oh, yeah. that's, that's the worst case scenario. Um, I want to talk about Kevin McCarthy um, because, you know, he's having a fun week. He went into the midterm elections, like, feeling really good. He felt like he's going to be the speaker. He was so excited. Yeah. On Monday, he came out. He was like, when we wake up um, on Wednesday, I'm going to be the speaker. We're going to have the majority. I'm so ready. He was so excited. And then he came out at 2 a.m. on Tuesday night. Well, my Wednesday morning, technically. He was not the speaker. He's still not the speaker. <laughs> he is still not the speaker of the house. Like, And even in his best case scenario, the best case scenario for Republicans, they gained the majority, but it's a very slim majority. Um, talk about what, what Kevin, what's in store for, for Kevin. Incredible stuff. I mean, just, I mean, it's just so much, I have to say like the really a delight to watch. So, and by the way, I want to point out that a year ago, Kevin McCarthy, the maybe speaker soon to possibly be speaker of the house, if they can eke out a majority um, said that Republicans are going to win 60 seats. He said that. Okay. Yeah, 60. It's like they may get up to six, you know, maybe, you know. Uh, so I would say it's amazing to watch. He's going to have, if he if he pulls it off, which he may not, because there's still a path, it's, at least this morning, there was still a path where Democrats, I mean, I think it's less likely, but there's a slim path. Um, but if he pulls it off, I think it's going to be a really terrible job. First of all, there are, you know, the Republican Party is not unified, right? They're already, uh, today, um, you had Elise Stefanik endorse a presidential candidate who has not announced yet, (laughs) Donald Trump, because she is hoping to raise her personal fortunes and what's the dwindling base of the Republican Party. And I think it's a very likely scenario you're going to have a war for the base, and that will take place between, you know, I don't know what it takes place like on the presidential level, but on the speakership level, you're likely going to have a challenger to McCarthy. And what that looks like, I don't know. But there are a lot of real MAGAs in the House GOP caucus. Mm -hmm. And it is and they are not they're not like lovely people who send you Christmas cards. They're like people who pose with their guns uh, on their Christmas cards. So I think you could see a real um, real and you know remember there's all this conservative media so you could see like steve bannon taking one side and tucker taking the other side and it playing out in a really kind of very ghastly way and remember like these people 
have now lost three elections in a row, right? They have, you know, they lost the midterms in 2018. They lost the presidency in 2020. And they lost what, by all rights, was predicted to be a huge red wave in 22. So, like, these, they're getting increasingly desperate. And they're all fighting over the same 30%. That's exactly what's happening. They're fighting yeah. over the same 30. And and they don't realize that you 30 can't win you. I mean, it can win you some gerrymandered house seats. It right. can win you some state house races. It can maybe get you it maybe get you into the governor's mansion, depending upon which state it is, like state, state like Florida. Arkansas. Um in right. Arkansas. But it can't win you a Senate seat in a in a very competitive state. That's what's happening right now. I mean, they're they they were supposed to walk away with some of these Senate races that yeah. they lost, like in Pennsylvania, but also, I mean, that's more more because they nominated Dr. Oz um yeah. too. And 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 Fetterman, I think, ran a strong a solid race considering the unforeseen circumstances and having a stroke and having to deal with that in real time. I mean, credit to that campaign for yes. um, holding it together through that crisis. That that is there's a lot of lessons for other folks um in how Absolutely. they handled that. Um when you think about you know, the reasons why Democrats overperformed um, sort of as a contrast to the fight, the upcoming fight on the Republican side, you know, what messages do you hope the party establishment <laughs> takes away yeah. from from the fact that they did overperform? Like, do are they going to recognize the reasons why? Like, you know, yeah. well, your closing message on crime, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't think that's why. Right. So I just hope, right. you know, I just hope they, they realize that wasn't it. So that, you know, they can calibrate for the for for, for, for the future. Um, I actually think that that's a really good point. And, and I really wanted to talk about that because we were just talking about Fetterman. And one of the yeah. things Fetterman did really well was that he said, and this was another thing Tim Ryan did really well. Now, Tim Ryan wasn't going to win. And I think Different we state. all knew. Right. Ohio is very rough. But the thing that both of them did, and this is the thing that we saw, you know, a lot of candidates do it quietly, which I think was important, was they said, like, we are here to help you with unions, with getting, uh, you know, um, hearing aids and glasses. And like, this is what we're here for. Like, we are trying to make the government work for you. And I think that that is a really good message that Democrats somehow shy away from. A good example is Mandela Barnes. Mm-hmm. Mandela Barnes is an, a really a great candidate. I'm sure you've interviewed him. He's yep. really, he's great. And he's so, you know, and he actually is quite committed to the working man. And I think they didn't let him do enough, yeah. right? Like he, they were kind of scared of their candidates. I saw this also with a couple of other candidates where like, I felt like they're, their handlers wouldn't let them do what they really could do. Like Mandela Barnes, you hear Mandela Barnes speak and you want to vote for him. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like they kind of kept him off the field because they were a little bit scared and a little bit, you know, somebody focus group something for them. And like Mandela Barnes lost by like very, very, very yeah. little. And, and, you know, they had to pour millions and millions and millions of dollars into Ron Anand's race. And he barely eked it out. And I think had you let Mandela Barnes go on the stump and talk, because he's awesome. And he, you know, and I think had he been able to really go out there that he would have won. And like, I do think the, that the um, political, um, you know, the political, I don't know, whatever they're called, the, the um, advisor class really khaki khaki wearing ipad 
carrying <laughs> consultant exa- class. Right. The consultant class tends mm-hmm. not to let candidates get out there. And especially, I think, Black candidates. And I know I why. Think it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, it's, it's a really important point because... So, so here's, here's something that I can, can share with you that is from my experience working inside of campaigns, campaigns are cautious, right? So they err on the side of not taking a risk versus taking a risk, but also they, what they consider a risk sometimes is wrong based on, you know, previous history or bias, right? Because as I said, like most of the consultant strategist class is white. So they are looking at it through a lens of like, I'm white. So if we send this black candidate and he's talking about race, we're going to get hit with like defund the police or, you know, crime messaging from the other side. Um, And that's going to hurt us in the suburbs with white voters, as opposed to thinking about the fact that you have Mandela Barnes, who's an exciting, young, new generation of Democrat. You can send out to not only galvanize young voters of color in Wisconsin, but also nationally like i just think that they put they put some of these candidates that they don't feel like they can control on the bench yep (laughs) and they don't like aoc and they don't realize that yes aoc is a lightning rod and the new york post doesn't like her but the new york post readers are not your voter that is not who you need to turn out so if you send aoc out first of all i feel like that gets young people because they love her love her um they want her to be president, young, yeah. the Gen Zs, right? So, yeah. so when you when you put her out, she can galvanize the base that you need to turn out everywhere. Yes. And I, I just think, think the risk-adverse attitude is incorrect. I, I agree. I also think she's incredibly famous, right? Right. She didn't get famous because she had a famous cousin. She got famous because she's That's, really good at this. Yeah. You know? And, like, people really like her, and her message really resonates. And it may not resonate with the consultant class, but they are not most voters. And I think mm-hmm. that is a really – I think that's really important. Yeah, no, I uh, I totally agree. I think what happened with Mandela Barnes is if they had sent him out more and let him campaign with Bernie and let him campaign with people who were making this uh, – you know, there were a lot of working people in Wisconsin – and a lot, and you know, the Democratic Party wants to protect them, wants to protect their jobs. Like that's a really good message. Like the Republican Party wants to cut taxes for their bosses. That's not as good a message. Like you know, and I think that we, I think we saw Democrats shy away from some real opportunities. And I, I think Ron Anand, this was a, uh, this was a, um, a season where Ron Anand really could have been retired. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of um, lessons. I hope the the right ones are learned. Last question in the last few minutes. Indictment Watch um, officially started <laughs> on Wednesday. Um, yes. You know, what are your thoughts on what, what could happen next? I mean, I feel like, look, I don't know what Merrick Garland is going to do, but Fannie Willis doesn't care 
about mm-hmm. um you know the the history but you know like having appearing like it wasn't political whatever like calculation Merrick Garland is making Fannie Lewis is not making that same calculation she's looking at the evidence she's bringing in the witnesses and it I mean there's a tape of him doing the crime so she's just gonna get all the evidence in order <laughs> and then she's gonna indict so um you know when when can, when is this gonna happen hope you know soon what do you think I mean, Fannie Willis, I also think Tish James, you know, mm-hmm. black women are going to save the country again. Sorry. <laughs> we keep asking you guys. but we I really know. I'm it. tired. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel so bad. By the way, did you see how much Tish James won by? No, like, it's, it's, it's so amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, when she wins 75, I mean, some right. crazy, I looked at it, I was like, I, I, when I voted, I was like, who even is this other guy? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think Merrick, I mean, my sense is that, I mean, everyone I've talked to who's a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, uh, says that this document case is pretty open and shut and that it's going to look, I mean, Merrick Garland is, you know, again, he he's, I, I think he will, I think he will indict. I think he has to indict. And I also think he has, he probably has to do it before Fannie Willis, because this is oh. like not a, I, I, that's my guess. I think he's. I think he will do it soon. I mean, what's interesting is Trump thinks that if he announces, it will prevent Merrick Garland from indicting him. That's like sort of the calculus, I think, and that's why he's in such a rush to indict, to uh, announce, not indict. Uh-huh. Um, but so I think, but I do think he will do it, and I hope he will do it like now or Monday instead of waiting for Trump to announce on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, oh my God! What because, if he does it on Monday? Wait, I'm I off mean, next week. He, he can't do it next week. <laughs> no. What if he does it on my birthday? <laughs> my birthday's next week. You guys, what well, if? Happy birthday. What if he indicts on my birthday? I will come on the radio on that day on my birthday. If he, well, we're on the morning show, so I guess it'll have to be the next day because I'm sure he's not going <laughs> to indict before 10 a.m. Um, <laughs> but I can imagine, right? Okay. We yeah. can, well, we'll put a pin in that. Molly, and um, we'll come back to it uh, with you. We always love having you on. Molly Jong Fat, host of Fast Politics. It's a podcast that I love. Also a special correspondent for Vanity Fair. So thank you so much for being here. It's always great to have you for Feminist Friday, which is our new segment um, on Fridays. Again, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.